God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Help me appreciate the worship team, would you? Thank you guys so much for leading us every week. You're beautiful. You are beautiful, and we love you. Praise the Lord. We hope that all of you had a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family, and uh, the tithe and the offering is in the back. Those of you online, you can give in uh, on online if you want or send it in the mail. Thank you for your giving. We appreciate all of you as well. Uh, we never take a gift for granted. The gift, the gift is only a gift uh, if you love the giver. I mean, it's the value of the giver that you appreciate. Many people in Pentecostal circles, they want to talk in tongues, but they don't even care for the one uh, who is the baptizer. I mean, that's religion. Relationships says, I want the giver of the gift more than I want the gift itself. And so uh, I told the staff, don't spend more than $50 on me this Christmas. Let it be a limit. It's a joke. My goodness, y'all are rough this morning, guys. <laughs> it's a joke. And they, and they said, amen. <laughs> and they said, amen. Amen is a very, very good word. If, if you, after you say, if after you say amen, you say a woman, you are a moron. All right. <laughs> Cause that's not what the word amen means. Amen means I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. I said, the Lord is good. Amen. Amen. That's what it means. Amen. And so uh, I thought about this title, and I thought about Thanksgiving, and I thought about what we're doing today, is uh, Sunday after Thanksgiving. And all of us probably said a prayer for Thanksgiving. Uh, right? Oh, oh, let me just try it again. Today I want to deal with what we do after Thanksgiving is over, after we said amen, after the amen. That's what I want to talk about. Because you all got together at the table. You all prayed over the turkey and prayed over the family. And the family member you didn't want there, but you had to have them there anyway. We prayed and we said, <laughs> now the turkey is gone. The family is gone. No glory. No glory to God. Okay, praise the Lord. And the dishes are done. And I want to know, are we thankful yet? That's the topic today. What do you do after the amen? Thanksgiving is not a once a year day that we as a nation, I'm thankful. Aren't you thankful that we as a nation say thank you? Absolutely. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. It's a great tradition. But, uh, but today I want to deal with what, what do you do after you said amen? After all the desserts are gone, after all the dishes are done and the turkey is picked up and you go back to work tomorrow, is your heart still thankful? That's what we're going to deal with. Not going to keep you long. We're going to come to the altar and then we'll let you go home. The Philippians 4, 10 through 13. The topic today is contentment. You cannot have a thankful heart without a contentful heart. Got to be content with what God has given you. So Paul says to the Philippian church, I rejoice greatly in the Lord, in the Lord. How many is happy in the Lord today? I rejoice greatly in the Lord that now at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned about me before, but you had no opportunity to show it. Let me just stop right there and just tell you, 10 years earlier, they had given to Paul's needs, but uh, they hadn't had opportunity. Paul is saying, uh, you would have probably kept giving generously to meet the need, but you didn't have an opportunity. That's all he's saying. And he said, I'm so happy 
that now you renewed your concern for me and uh, you're giving again. Not that I, and this is my favorite verse. This is the key verse. It's what I really want you to, it's in the amplified version. Amplified version. I want you to really hone in on this. You can take pictures of it, Max. Do what you want. I'm not going to go too fast. I'm not going to go too slow. I'm just going to be just like, just right. Okay? And so not that, Paul says, not that I speak from any personal need. For I have learned. Somebody say learned. I have learned to be content and self-sufficient through Christ. Satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or uneasy. That's a wonderful place to be, regardless of any circumstances. I know how to get along and live humbly in difficult times. And I also know how to enjoy abundance and live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned, there it is, the secret. I have learned the secret of facing life, whether well-fed or going hungry, whether having an abundance or being in need. I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. Somebody ought to shout amen. Amen. He's getting up off the table of Thanksgiving saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The ten-finger prayer. Amen. He said, it's not my own self-sufficiency. Everything I have, I have because of Jesus. If you're thankful today, would you give him a praise? I mean a real praise. Come on, give the Lord a praise. A real praise. Amen. After the amen, contentment defined is being satisfied with what you have, what you have, regardless of how small it may be. You know, there are pessimists in this world. They're optimists. Reminded of the two little boys at Christmas. They were opening up gifts. And uh, one kid was from a really wealthy home and a big house. And they had all kinds of presents. And he ripped through each one, threw it aside, and ripped through another one, threw it aside. He ripped through another one. He just never seemed to find any contentment with any of the gifts. The other one from a humble, poor home, and all he had was a pile of hay. And he starts running through that hay and just ravishing through the hay. And his parents said, what in the world are you doing, son? He said, with all this hay, mom and dad, there must be a pony in here somewhere. Hey, I'd rather be around an optimist than a pessimist any day. This world is filled with people who are ill-content. They're not content, uncontented people. And the word content, Paul uses in verse 11, speaks of being satisfied with what one has, regardless of how small it might be. 1 Timothy 6.6 says, but godliness actually is a source of great gain, right? When When accompanied by contentment. That contentment, which comes from a sense of inner confidence based on the sufficiency of God. That's what he's saying here. So our world lives in discontent, unhappy, unsatisfied. You can't make them satisfied. How many know it's crept into the church? Tell you what we want. We want coffee. Well, you know what? Coffee is not enough. We want donuts. No, no, donuts are not enough. We need you to put a, a recliner on the front row with little cup holders and feed me lunch while I hear the sermon. They're just all concerned with comfort. How many know Christ is not as interested in your comfort as he is your commitment? 
so this whole world dealing with contentment is a, is a struggle for them. Proverbs 13, 7, there's one who pretends to be rich, yet he has nothing at all. And another one pretends to be poor, yet he has great wealth. And so somebody said contentment is, it softens our poverty and it sweetens our provisions. It's like, it's like having, it's, it's like having a cottage, uh, 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 you know, and you think it's, it's a castle. I think I think that the victory is between your ears. Anybody who grew up poor? Well, I don't know if we was poor or not, because nobody told us. Nobody told us we were poor. I thought we were rich. When I look back, my kids are rich compared to what we had. Does anybody get a witness? You can say, you can say, amen. It's what you say after the amen. It's what you do after the amen that matters, right? And so, and so we live in a world of discontented people. You might be saved and you have a whole lot in this world, but still not be content. This message is, is hoping to bring something to you. There was a Quaker one time who promised to give a piece of land to the most contented person in the village. Well, they had a bunch of people gathered. One by one guy came by and he said, uh, I'll take that piece of land to which the Quaker replied, if thou be content, then why dost thou want my lot? I think we want, we want, we want. We never get enough. America has a, a, a sensational desiring for greed. It's never enough. Empty pockets. Wanting more and more and more. No wonder we have a deficit in our nation that we and rather than living lives of gratitude and contentment, our lives are often filled with complaining, whining, and reclining. We complain about everything. Instead of being thankful we're healthy, uh, we're happy. How many thankful you have your right mind? Come on now. Hey, just to have your right mind. Say, say, some days I wonder if I have my right mind or not. But I'm talking about people today who don't have their right mind. When I say right mind, I'm talking about you can go tonight and go to sleep and not stay up all night worried about something. Anxious and worried. And no peace. And just distraught. Unsatisfied. So we complain about our home and some people have no home. We complain about our cars when some nations don't even drive cars. Why? We've never learned the secret of contentment. Benjamin Franklin, he said, contentment makes poor men rich. And discontentment makes rich men poor. You can have all the money in the world, still not be content. So there's a key to being satisfied. It's a thankful heart. I appreciate all the Lord has done for me. I was talking to somebody this morning, I think Missy, said, hey, I'm so grateful for the grace of God in my life. Is anybody grateful for the grace of God? Anybody here grateful that the Lord has touched your life? You say, well, pastor, my life wasn't that bad. Yes, it was. It was worse than you thought it was. Amen. And if you're on the other side, you think it's great. I mean, no, it's not as great as you think it is. But de the devil's always trying to trip us up by thinking that we might make us think we have it all we need and we don't need God or making us think that we, we, we have nothing and God's not helping us. He's always trying to trap us. So the key is I have learned verse 11, not automatic. It's not overnight, right? I have Learn. That's what Paul said. 
So what do we do after the amen? Number one, we learn to rejoice in what you have. Rejoice in what you have. Satan always tries to trap us. Why? Why? It's, it's to let us know what we don't have. And Melissa and I had a pity party in our last church. We'd just taken the church, probably 25 people, 30. And uh, everybody, uh, young couples, they, we had two little babies. And, we, and everybody seemed to have everything, but we didn't have anything. You ever been there? Anybody ever have a pity party? So, like, they got a nice car. We're driving around in, in this little car. You look at their house. I mean, oh, the devil wants you to compare with the Joneses. There's some people want to be the Joneses. Can I tell you, I don't care to be the Joneses. I want to be the Morans. Whatever I have, little or much, how I many know oh, God is in it? It's learning how to be content with, with what you have, how to rejoice in it. But we did. We re, we asked the Lord for this and that. And the Lord came through. How I many know oh, the Lord will provide? It's okay to whine to the Lord every now and then. He is your great shepherd. He will meet your need. He will meet your need. My God shall supply all my Need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So, so I'm not saying he won't meet your need. I'm saying we got to learn something. We got to learn to rejoice in what you have. Kind of along the same principle of being faithful with little, God will give you more. Right? If you learn to be rejoicing in what God has provided you with, hey, hey, be glad you got a job. Some people don't have one. I know a lot of people don't want one, but some people don't have one. I said, there's a lot of working poor people that don't have what you have. We ought to thank God. Thank God. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, right? Look what he said. Not that I speak from any personal need. For I've learned to be content, self-sufficient through Christ, satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or uneasy, regardless of my circumstances, the haves and the have-nots. Verse 12. I know how to get along and live humbly in difficult times. I also know how to enjoy abundance and live in prosperity. In any and every circumstances, I've learned the secret of facing life, whether fit, well-fed or going hungry, whether having an abundance or being in need. So let's think about it. First thing under this, number one, is we should probably learn soul satisfaction. And I added deferred gratification. So America wants everything now. And we have a generation not only this generation, the generation before it, and maybe even mine, the boomers. No boomers out there? We all wanted it. We want it right now. We want it right now. And uh, therefore, we don't save any money. We just, just spend it all now. We live in the moment. We don't think about anything in the future, right? Because the future is not here, and I need it all now. That's why some people don't pay tithe. I can't afford to pay tithe. I need to pay my bills. No, no, no. No, listen. If you don't pay tithe, you're going to have more bills than you know what to do with. You'll never be able to make it. How I many know you can't make it without God? He is your sufficiency. He is your strength. But there's a principle here to learn how to do this. He said, verse 7 of 1 Timothy 6 and 7 and 8, said, for we have brought nothing into the world. So it is clear, very clear, that we cannot take anything out of it either. But if we have food and clothing, with these, we will be what? Content. So learn that. Learn. Learn that God already knows your needs. Matthew 6.32. For the pagan Gentiles eagerly seek all these things that we always looking for. But do not worry. For your heavenly Father knows that you need them. I mean, oh, God knows what your needs are. He knows what your need is before you even ask. 
We're going to go to prayer in just a few minutes. Guess what? God already knew what you needed before you ever get up here. He's already working it out. Does anybody believe this? Say, Pastor, why even, why even ask? Because God honors prayer and faith honors God. Right? He wants you to ask. Ask, seek, knock. Ask and it will be given unto you. Knock and I will answer. Seek, right? He's saying, he's saying, get in, get into this thing with me. Come with me, walk with me and watch me provide for you. I mean, if you have Jesus, you have all you need. I mean, true spiritual contentment. Every spiritual gift comes from him, right? And so it's a wonderful thing to learn that, that, uh, that, that you have brought nothing in. You can't take nothing out. It'll help you. Those who are trying to get all you can and can all you get. Those of you putting, uh, putting some supplies back, a little, a little five gallon bucket. How many are you going to need more than a five gallon bucket if you're left after the rapture? You're going to need more than beans in a five gallon bucket after the rapture. You better save more than silver. I mean, oh, it's going to get ugly. I don't know about you, but I want to go on the first load. Even if I'm dead, I'd rather go dead in Christ than to live and miss the rapture. Amen? So right now, what do we do, Pastor? Well, we have to rejoice in all that we do have. Because you can start comparing. You're never going to have enough. Somebody's always going to have more than you. But if you want to get real perspective, eternal perspective, why don't you look around at people who have less than you? You might appreciate the little that you do have. Right? Go to Haiti. I'll take you to Haiti. I'll take you to a place where they don't have enough food. To make it through the day. One bowl of, one bowl of beans and rice provided by a convoy of hope. That's their meal for the day. One meal a day. And when I saw them running, they came and I saw it in Nicaragua. I saw it in every third world country I've ever been to. When they ring the bell, they start running from the end of the village and they run and run, run to this little, uh, little house at the convoy house and they serve them and they're so happy and they're so happy. I remember David Grant told us the story. Remember Melissa, that story? He was in India and he had a little, uh, like a little trailer with a little window and they were giving out a bowl of rice. And David Grant stepped back. He said he just stepped back just to watch what was going on. For a dime, for a dime, you get a bowl of rice or whatever. And so, so David gave a little boy a, a dime. He went up to the window and he got a bowl of rice. And he lived in this pipe, open pipe, cement pipe. It had a little uh, drape and drape over it, like a little piece of cloth over the pipe. And uh, and he opened up the pipe, the cloth, and he walked. And his sister was in the pipe, little boy's sister. And David kind of peeked. He could see a little crack in the, looking in there. What that little boy did? He fed his sister. Until she was full. And then when she was full, he ate whatever was left over. I mean, oh, God smiles on somebody like that. You don't think you have much, but you got more than you can think about. I said, you may be complaining this week and it might be a struggle for you, but I know, listen, I'm not trying to minimize your poverty or your pain. I'm trying to say somebody's always worse off than you are. And with that in mind, you can be thankful. I'll take my 50 cents and be happy. Because I know people with 50 million that are miserable. You see that? It's in the between your head. It's between your ears. So, so you got to understand that uh, be satisfied with what you have. And then God knows your needs, right? Look what he said in 2 Timothy 4.13. When you come, he said, uh, well, 
Paul had needs. I don't know if you know that. But he said, when you come, bring the coat that I left at Troas with Carpus and the books, especially the parchments. So your boy's in prison. And he's happy. I mean, no happiness or joy, true spiritual peace is between your two ears. It's in your heart. That's why, that's why you got to guard your heart and mind by Christ Jesus. That's why, that's why you, you uh, don't be anxious for anything, but by, by prayer, pray for everything. And, and, and the Holy Spirit will guard and the God of peace, right? He will guard your hearts and your mind by Christ Jesus. It's your heart and your mind that gets messed up. It's, it's, it's what Satan wants to do is deter you from appreciating what you do have. But we always focus on, on what we lost. And I get it. Everybody here has lost a loved one. I'm sure by now, if you're not, you don't know what it's like to have pain, especially around the holidays. But it's hard. But if you can focus on what you have left. Martha Tennyson said, see, she focused so much about the loss of her son, she forgot about the other son that she had left and her husband. You can't desert the people who are alive so that you can continue to mourn the people who are gone. I mean, we'll see them again. But you can't, you can't live every day as if you're in mourning. We mourn and then we move. I don't think y'all are hearing me today. You can stay in a state of depression all your life on account of losses. Well, I lost my job. How many know there's another job out there? In fact, you can get a job pretty much anywhere you want right now. I'm not applying for any of them. But if the board just flips out tomorrow and kicks me out, I don't feel too bad. I think I can get a job tomorrow. Anywhere. Why aren't people going to work? I have no idea. I have no idea. First time in my lifetime, I've seen a whole generation of people don't want to work. Maybe they're ungrateful. Maybe they are are thinking, if you'll feed me and I don't have to go to work, why should I go to work? What if we crippled our own people? It's a possibility, but I'm not going there. But listen, God knows your needs, and he will meet your needs. How many believe God will meet your need? Right, God will meet your need. Paul had needs. You have needs. I have needs. My girls asked me, Dad, what do you want for Christmas? I said, I don't need nothing. I really sit there and I really rack my brain. What do I need? Really, what? And they said, no, Dad, what do you want? I'm thinking, what do I want? What do I want? Two things, peace and quiet. <laughs> How about that? Those are not easy to come by these days. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but I wouldn't give it up for anything else, right? Yeah. So, so God will meet your needs and he meets them in unusual ways. It's a blessing to be saved. I said, it's a blessing to be saved. It's a blessing to be saved. If you're saved, you ought to be happy and blessed and encouraged and strengthened and content with just knowing Jesus. If you need more than listen to me carefully online, listen to me. If there's somebody out needs to hear this, if you need something more than Jesus to satisfy you, you're never going to find it. I mean, no, Jesus is all you need to satisfy. He satisfies your soul. True contentment. So he does uh, a part. He, he, he gives us a part of the kingdom. And so 
So Paul had needs, but let's learn that God meets our needs every day in unique ways. How? Well, he may send it directly. Like, like the prophet Elijah was sitting by a dried up brook, Pastor Mark, and he sent birds, ravens, ravens, flew down to the man of God, I don't know, brought him lunch. First Kings 17. I don't know if you fried the birds. I love fried bird. You just had it this past week. That's why y'all all eyes are glazed over and staring at me. Y'all are in a turkey trance right now. Amen. Amen. I got one amen. Honest, my brother Mike is honest. So he can send it directly. He sent, he sent Elijah, uh, Elijah to the, the woman of Zarephath, right? And she met, she met that he said, bake me a cake. And she was poor. She and her son were going to die. How many know the story is real? But in her poverty, she gave. And she couldn't, she couldn't stop the blessings of God. Well, when you learn the secret of generosity, the secret of contentment and the secret of giving, well, you will find a way that God will meet the need directly or he may use other people. I found this. I found that when Satan wants to hurt you, he uses people. And when God wants to bless you, he uses people. (laughs) Has anybody ever been blessed by somebody else? Of course. Has God ever used you to bless somebody else? And what a feeling that is to know that you met a need. You say, Pastor, I don't know of any needs. Call me. I'll give you plenty of them. They're not mine personally. But if you need me to give you mine personally, I'll let you meet those too. God uses people. He used the, the Philippians to bless Paul. And they blessed him 10 years earlier. And now, now they could, they were blocked for some reason for being able to bless Paul. But then they got, uh, opportunity came up and they blessed him again. And that's, that's how God, God can do it. Regardless of how he meets your needs. I mean, oh, we need to rejoice in his provision. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. And I think sometimes we forget that. He is our good shepherd. He gives you still waters, right? Green pastures. Jesus said, don't take any thought about tomorrow, what you should eat or what you should drink. Look at the lilies of the field. Look at the birds of the air. He's always looking out for you. It's worth shouting about, isn't it? And then Hebrews, y'all know, is my favorite book of the Bible. In uh, chapter 13, verse 5, let your character, that is your moral essence, your inner nature, be free from the love of money. Shun greed. You, sh- you should have shouted amen right there. Shun greed. Be financially ethical. What? Being content with what you have. Be content with what you have. It could be worse. For he has said, I will look at this. Look what he said, Max. Let me look over here. I'll turn my back to y'all. I will never. This is from the Lord himself. I will never under any circumstance desert you nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not, I won't do it. That's the promise of the Lord, friends. You can be content with that. That's what we're shouting about. I will never leave you or forsake you. That's what we quote King James. I will never leave you or forsake you. But I love the Amplified. I will look on especially that last line. I, I will, I will not forsake you or let you down 
or relax my hold on you. Saying, saying, I got you. I got you tight in the grip. Don't worry about it. I know it's rough. I know it's hard right now, but you hang in there because I got you. I got you back. How many believe God's got you back? Oh, yes, he does. So however he does it, rejoice in it. Sometimes it's harder to handle a lot than it is a little. I mean, the more you get, the more you want. It's kind of the way it is. Bigger piece of land, bigger property. You want a bigger house? It means you got a lot more work to do. Bigger yard to cut. A lot more hay to mow. I don't think y'all are hearing me. You want dogs? You want cats and pigs? Who's going to get up in the morning and feed all those varmints? I love my cat. I love my dog. Okay. Okay. I had a little dog once. Can I tell you from experience? Miss Melissa never got up one time. Not one time. Not one day. I don't know what she did. She loved that little dog. Bless his heart. He's in doggy heaven somewhere. If there is such a thing. I don't think he went. I don't, I don't. Some days I thought, I wondered. But bless his heart, little Samson. So sometimes it's hard to have, have a lot than it is to have. What does it take to satisfy you? You want more gadgets? You want more gadgets? My goodness. How many gadgets do you need? Can't ring the doorbell. Now you got to see who's at the door. Is that you? It looks like you. Yeah, it's me. Open the door. Cars. You need another car? I always, how many ever get the itch for a new car? And your car's good. Y'all are not voting. No, no. I'm, I, I think I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to park right here because I think this is a good place to park the car. You don't need another car. You don't need another house. You don't need another spouse. You don't need another job. What you need is contentment. You don't need another degree. You don't need another child. If you want one, have one. More children, more problems. I don't need a new church. I know. It's the third one. It's the third church I pastor. And I've discovered you're one of a kind. I was going to say they're all the same, but that wouldn't have been nice. (laughs) The pastors are laughing. What do you need? More recreation? You're not getting enough fun? What do you need? Clothes? Some of you can't fit the clothes you got in your closet right now. Shoes. Come on, ladies. You need more shoes? I've got shoes I haven't tried on yet. Why? They were on sale. (laughs) <laughs> you need to keep up with your neighbors? Is that what you need? You need to get rid of your neighbor. Many are not content to keep up with the Joneses. They want to be the Joneses. Instead of complaining and comparing, how about uh, about what you lack? How about praising God for what you have? So we, we all get this. I, I just wake up some days... Max, I think I'm blessed. Some days I wake up and think, oh, man. <laughs> Y'all have those days? 
Some days I wake up and I think, Lord, all of this and Jesus too? But really, Jesus and all of this too? The way it ought to be, right? Seek ye first the kingdom and then all these other things will be added unto you. Being content with Jesus because Satan always tells you you have to have more. And uh, Paul says, I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. Do you know how to be a base? Do you know how to have nothing and to have everything? Do you know how to roll with that? Because some people get, uh, win the lottery or whatever. We don't want to do that. Okay? We don't want to do that. But they uh, they go and they jump off, off the top of the 10-story building because their mind can't cope with that much money. They don't know what to do with all that money. I tell them, send it to the church. We'll know what to do with it. I'm teasing, joking, joking. Well, y'all got serious there. The devil had that money long enough. But but people can't handle it because they think money is going to buy peace. See, listen to me. Money can buy you a bed, but will not buy you a night's sleep. Because that's peace. Peace is what you need to sleep at night, not money. You can put all your money in a bucket and you die. Somebody's going to fight over it. That's why you hear the, the Solomon says, uh, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. When I die, my kids are going to fight over it, and that's it. That's it? Really? Eat, drink, and be merry? That's it? I mean, no, there's more to life than all of that. There's some some deep spiritual truth here. So, so... So here's what we want you to do. Uh, we want you to rest in your situation. Somebody shout rest. How many got rest over the holiday? Three, four, five, six. How many did not get rest over the holiday? Let me tell you, if you went on a trip, you didn't get rest. Because you have to travel over there, you have to travel back, and it's rough. It's rough. But you did get to see people you wanted to see. I'm happy for you. And you made it back. Never take the traveling mercies for granted. Amen? So Paul was a contented man. So he was in jail and content. He wasn't fuming mad. He wasn't fretting. He wasn't worried. He was in jail. He didn't have all the luxuries of everything. In Caesar's house, the palace, in a a difficult situation, absolutely. Content, you better believe it. He learned the power of contentment. So what does it mean to be contented? It doesn't mean self-satisfaction, that's for sure. It doesn't mean self-satisfaction. Never give in. Always always do the best you can. Come on, somebody. Help me out here. doesn't mean uh, just relax or just take it easy. Don't ever uh, aspire to be anything or do anything. That's not what, that, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking, he's talking about uh, uh, not being uh, satisfied where you are in life. You can do better. How I many of you can always do better? That's not what he's talking about here. He's, he's saying... Never settle for less than your best. You can be ambitious. You can still be right with God, and you can still succeed. How many of you can still be right with God and still succeed? Does anybody believe that? Okay. And so you should not be satisfied to be nothing. Say, well, I'm satisfied to make C's. I can make A's, but I'd rather make C's. How many of you, mama, ought to whip you? Make A's if you can make A's. And all the parents said, there you go. There you go. All right. So, so, uh, uh, I don't want you to sit the bench when you could be playing first string. It's, it's holy contentment though. Right? 
It's not self-sufficiency. Uh, this is this means to be enough in your own self. Uh, how many know without him you can do nothing? But it is self-surrender. It means to have all needs met inwardly. It's God-dependence, not self-dependence. It's God-sufficiency, not self-sufficiency. And I'm almost done for all the optimistic women. You can put your shoes on. Self-surrender is a word made by Christians. It means to be self-contained, to have all you need within. Okay, it's used to describe a city or, or country that needed to, uh, needs no imports. I mean, no, America doesn't have to have all the imports. We can be self-sufficient, but we choose not to be. We choose to be in debt. That's what I'm talking about. And so, and so that's what happens. They had all they needed to sustain life. It, it reminds me of the guy that went on a cruise. He didn't know any better. He bought a ticket and went on a cruise, and all week he ate peanut butter crackers when he was leaving the cruise uh the man who ate the crackers he he stopped by the captain said it was a great week and the captain said hey did you enjoy the the buffet and all the food the old man said well i didn't i couldn't afford i I didn't eat the buffet all week i couldn't afford that and the captain said hey hey didn't you know when you got the ticket you got everything that came with it can i tell you folks something when you get jesus you get everything else you need just sit around eating crackers when you can have all that you want. But the devil tells you you don't have enough. You ought to have this. You ought to have that. I mean, oh, everything you need is tied up, wrapped up, and tangled up with Jesus Christ our Lord. The Holy Spirit shall provide all your needs. Amen? So, so the Christian has a hidden resource, the essence of God dependence. Right? John 4, 14. So, so it said, whoever drinks of the water that I give will never thirst again. Self-surrender. I surrender to Jesus. Jesus will meet all my needs. That's what he says later on, chapter 4, Philippians. My God shall supply all your needs. According to who? According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is going to meet your need, right? And so people who blow up and blow out have no inner resources. So when you when you have inner peace and inner contentment, it, you accept your situation. You don't have to give in. It says be thankful in all things, not for all things. You don't have to give in. You just have to learn how to accept life as it comes to you. Some things you can't change. You just have to walk through it. Death is one of them. Pain is one of them. Suffering is one of them. You have to learn how to cope. You shouldn't have to have drugs to get you through life. Is anybody hearing me? So. That's why they're opening up dispensaries on every corner. They're trying to get high and just, you know, get themselves numb to the pain. I mean, oh, you'll have to keep on talking on that thing. You'll have to keep on drinking on that thing. You have to keep on shooting. You have to keep on spinning and you have to keep on gambling. I mean, oh, everything you do to get that peace, you're going to have to keep on doing. But if you give your heart to Jesus, I mean, oh, he'll give you perfect peace. Passes all understanding and everything you need comes through the Holy Spirit and meets all your needs. It's called self-surrender. Accepting your situation. Some people are like a trapped animal chewing at their situation. Chewing on it. When Samson was a little boy, we give him a little toy. A little baby dog. He'd fight with it. He could never eat that bone. It's bigger than him. You chew on it all day. 
And that's how it is for some people. They take their circumstances, they just chew on them. Fighting against it. It allows you to accept it. And then you can adapt to your situation. Adversity proves Jesus to be the true riches. You can really appreciate Jesus when you go through rough times. How many found him to be the peace that you need? Plenty, plenty of things prove Jesus to be greater than the riches. And then you can appropriate the situation. Every event in life becomes an opportunity to make Jesus known. Paul was in prison at midnight to begin to praise the Lord. The chains come off. The earthquake happens, right? You heard about it last week at Acts 16 with our missionary. And then he goes to win the Philippian jailer to the Lord. It turned out for the glory of God. How many know God has a higher purpose, a bigger plan? You don't always see it. You need an eternal perspective. You need to, you need to have inward contentment to know that God has got this. No matter how it turns out, it's going to turn out for the good. And then finally, just to let you go home here, realize where your strength comes from. Verse 13. Paul never says, I can't. Right? He never says, I can't either. He says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ, who gives me the strength. Right? And so, the I can't is the language of pessimism. I hear it all the time. In our, church. our church can't grow. I can't witness. I can't read the Bible. I can't do this. I can't. What can you do then? Why don't you just start focusing on what you can do and stop talking all the time about what you cannot do? see, so it makes a difference. Christians can't witness or pray or be effective. I'm tired of hearing I can't. How many is ready to hear I can through Jesus? He doesn't say I can either. He says, uh, because that's the language of presumption. When a new convert reads the New Testament, hears Paul say, I can do all things. Sounds arrogant. But they don't understand it. It's only through Christ that he can do all things. Right? Nobody said jump off the top of the church. You can't do that. Right? That's presumption. You can't stop a speeding locomotive. Who do you think you are, Superman? Okay. that. Let's see how that works. <laughs> now, we're not Superman because Superman is a make-believe fake power. But there's a generation who believe in all these superheroes. Can I tell you the real hero is Jesus? He's got power. I said he's got Holy Ghost power, supernatural power, and it's not make-believe. I mean, oh, it's real power that only comes from him. All these other myths and lies and characters, nothing wrong with them, but they are just myths and lies and characters. They're just toys. But if you train up a child long enough to believe it, how many know they'll start believing in it? That's bad news right there. So. Jesus gives us power to face life's adversity. He gives us power to cope. He gives us power to have a sane mind in an insane world. He gives us power to enjoy contentment regardless of the circumstances. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything. Every circumstance and situation. By prayer and petition with what? Thanksgiving. True thanksgiving comes from a contented heart. Continue to make your specific request known to God. Specific, I like that. Don't be generic. Specific requests, make, make them known to God. And the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, 
That peace which transcends all understanding. That peace which stands guard over your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus is yours. I mean, say, I'd like to have that peace today. Peace and contentment. Peace and contentment. Don't be anxious. People give up because they believe they can't cope. But I believe the Lord is able to give you contentment. We're going to go to the uh, prayer in just a little bit. But he says, he says, it's the Lord Jesus who strengthens me. That's how he makes it, even in the worst of situations. He doesn't deny his problems. He goes on a list of problems. Second Corinthians 11, shipwrecked, snake bitten, dead, broke. Busted, disgusted. He had all of it. You think you got problems. That brother had a bad day. But he's infused with strength in his life. Present tense. Not when he gets to heaven. Right now. How many believe you can have right now power? Right now peace. Right now. If you'll trust in the name of the Lord. Poor farmer worked hard and had nothing. When he died, his, his property was found to be sitting on a sea of oil. He had treasure that he'd never tapped into. And there's a whole lot of people in the Simmons of God churches sitting there thinking they have nothing when the Holy Ghost is there and they have everything. Just have to tap into it. My people perish for lack of knowledge, Hosea said. They don't know what they have. And, and the devil convinces they have nothing. And the truth is they have everything. You have, if somebody's listening, listen, if you're listening today, you say, I have no reason to live. I have nothing to live for. I'm telling you, that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. You have everything to live for, but you first have to live for Jesus. Come on now. And everybody said, so you said, amen. But are you content? Are you saved? Are you tapping into the well of contentment? What are you going to do? After the amen. That's my sermon, and I want you to stand with me as they come back. It's 15 after, which is a gift to you, a holiday gift. And the gift is only as good as the one you love that gave it. So it's Thanksgiving. Say, thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor, for not keeping us here all day. Thank you, Pastor. We got to rush off to nowhere to do nothing. Thank you, Pastor. It was good seeing some of you that we don't get to see all the time. Good to see all of you who we see all the time. I wish you'd just look to your neighbor to right and left and say, it's good to see you. I'm glad to see you in the Lord's house. I'm content with you being my friend. I'm content with you being my family. I'm content with Melissa as my spouse, my children as my children, my grandchildren as my grandchildren. Who do you want? You want somebody else's? They're yours. You might as well get happy about it. I'm even content with my football team who had a losing season. But how many know you don't change ships? You don't jump ship. Stay with it. Because how many know God can help us?